the grace of God has appeared. Grace has an appearance. Grace has an appearance. Grace shows up. Can I tell you something? Grace has a name. And the name of grace is Jesus. Jesus is the grace of God that appeared, and watch, it says, to offer salvation to all people. The grace of God is Jesus in the earth realm. Amen. So it is the grace of God that appears to offer salvation, watch, to all people. Jesus came. Y'all remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, he sent his only begotten son. That the world may be saved, that whosoever believed in him shall be saved. The grace of God is Jesus Christ in the earth realm to offer up salvation to all people. Are you with me so far? Yes, sir. Somebody shout, thank you for his grace. Now shout, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's the grace of God. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled. Oh, God. This is what the grace of God comes to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you know you can live the self-controlled life? <laughs> Come on, Janet. Jackson control it, it comes the, the grace of God comes to teach us to say no somebody shall no means no uh, no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control uprightly and godly lives watch in this present age it's important for you to know that because uh, godliness is not a thing of the past it is not the old church way of doing things it is for now a present age it's not old grandma on them and their holiness and their godliness and that was them and this is now it's a new no it ain't a new thing and it's not an old thing it's the same thing god never changed are you hearing me he never changed so ungodliness and worldliness, God says, I'm sending you my grace to teach you how to say no to it. Oh, God. I should have came last week to Bible study. It was a little more better for me. Some of y'all think, man, I'm just going to come back next week. Go and get up and hide behind that Baptist finger. Walk on out. It's going to be tight tonight. Amen. Amen. So godliness is God's way. And he sends his grace to teach us how to say no. Now, here's the grace of God. The grace of God is a teacher. And one of the principles or the characteristics of a teacher, and if I have any educators in here, you know what I'm talking about. One of the characteristics of a teacher is patience. You got to be patient with people when you try to teach people. Amen. So one of the attributes of a teacher or the characteristics is to be patient. So God patiently waits on us as he's instructing us. 
That's all part of his grace. Amen. He's got to be patient because he knows you ain't going to get it right the first time. I'm trying to help you out here. Mm-hmm. Right? He knows he's going to have to work out as long as you've been living ungodly. Sometimes it might, might take just as much time for you to live godly. Come on. Hey, if you've been a hellion all your life, it's going to be hard to switch on the dime. Hello. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's still in you. Amen. Somebody push the right button, you're going to cuss. Amen. Where are my cusses at now? I know y'all here. I just felt y'all right up in here. I felt y'all. You know, push the right button, you're going <laughs> to. You want to tell yourself, Sister Teresa say, huh? That's how you know when you're guilty, you know. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you go to mercy and some grace. Uh, but, but here it is. The, the grace of God comes to teach us, and God is, he is what's called long-suffering. He's suffering long till you get it right. You, you ought to thank God for his long-suffering because really what we do, we deserve and we require punishment. But God says, I love you too much. To allow you to go to a place that is separated from me. But it's for this present age. It's for right now. And God wants us to be taught how to live right, right now. Amen? Okay. And it's for us in this present age. Uh, but I'm not really here to talk about that tonight because... I believe it's part of what God wants to do in our lives in this season. But I want to tell you, if you've been struggling in your faith walk, I want to tell you, dig again. So tonight I want to talk real briefly about digging again. Tell your neighbor, dig again. Dig again. Uh, the thing about digging again is sometimes we get ourselves in a position where we dig holes that get refilled. And because the hole is now refilled, uh, we, we think that, um, you know, life is over. Um, it, we feel that, you know, we can't move on. We can't accomplish things. And, you know, we made some success and had some success and we gained some things and then we lost some things. And then we just give up on life altogether. Have you ever felt like giving up on life? Have you just like felt like giving up on anything, you know, uh, on your career on your relationships, just give up on life altogether and just take life. I mean, I don't know if you ever had those tendencies or thoughts of, you know what, what's life even worth living at this point? And, and, and you know, but you got to dig again. You, you got to learn how to keep digging. Uh, I remember years ago, I, um, good. he's a friend now, he's a good friend of mine, and he had a very successful ministry back in the early 80s, and he, he was, I mean, just really uh, a gifted preacher and teacher, evangelist, and he, he turned the whole community upside down. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about it was a whole lot of prostitution, a lot of drug addicts and dope dealing and a whole bunch of stuff going on. He goes into that community and flips it up, just turns it upside down. People getting saved, healed, all of these things and all of that. 
And throughout the course of his ministry, he made some, had some indiscretions. We'll just call him, we'll call it that. He made some mistakes. Ministry, Ministry started dwindling. And while I was with him in the conversation, the Lord gave me these words to him. Just keep drilling. Just keep drilling. Just a word of encouragement. And, you know, I was a young boy at the time. His ministry was blossoming and all of that. He's an older guy now. And the Lord told me to tell him, just keep drilling. In other words, don't give up. It's like an oil refinery. When they're drilling, they drill and drill. They drill deep. They don't hit nothing, but they don't stop. They go to another spot and they just keep drilling. And, and, and when they finally, you know, hit something that may be promising, they'll drill and they'll keep on drilling. And they'll drill and keep on drilling. And they'll keep going, watch, until they strike oil. Are you hearing me? I want to encourage somebody tonight, if, if you made it to a point in life where it feels like or seems like it's not going nowhere, just keep drilling. You got to keep drilling. Keep digging. Keep digging until you hit something because if you don't, if you give up, then What's the point? Truly the point of living. So dig again. Tell your neighbor, dig again. The Gospel of John is where we'll find ourselves tonight. And y'all familiar with this passage of scripture. The Gospel of John, it details an account of a woman at a well. This woman at this well in the Gospel of John, chapter number Four, verse number one, it says, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Competitive religious folk. <laughs> Mad because Jesus is baptizing more folk. And they got a concern because he's gaining more disciples than them. More disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Most of your translation says he must need go. I know that just don't sound right, but must need go. He, it was mandatory that he had to go. Now, now, he could have went any other route to get to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. Here's the expository part of that is, is that Samaria was an area of town where it was a mixed breed of Jews and Gentiles. They were a mixed breed. They were, if we were in today's vernacular, we would call them mutts. They, they, they were part of this and part of that. They had, a, in other words, there was half hood and half holy. Mm-hmm. Amen. In my kind of people, too. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but the Samaritans were, were a mixed breed of people. They, they had some of this religious uh, pedigree and some of this. They, they had a mixture of a whole bunch of stuff going on. on. Kind of like a lot of us. We're not fully unified in the faith. We believe some of this and some of that and some of this and some of that. 
and it's a smorgasbord at this time. We just kind of put it all together. And then a lot of times, too, we fix religion to fix us. We make a God that fits our situation. We, 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 we like this part of God, but not this part. So we leave that part out because this part fits my lifestyle. Uh, this, this part over here suits me. And, and the moment somebody tells me, especially the preacher tells me that that's not God, I go to another place because they say it is God. Why so much church hopping? We're, we're hopping to find a place that we fit. Or shall I say that fits us? So Jesus makes this stop in Samaria, but he had a mandate on his life. It, it, the, one text says he must need go through Samaria. He alters his itinerary, his plans to go to a place. Watch this. As a Jew, he has no business going. Because the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. Matter of fact, the Jews looked at them as dirty dogs. That They were unclean people. But Jesus had compassion in that moment. Because remember, salvation is offered to who? So he couldn't pass up the Samaritans. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Noon is key in the text because It's later in the day. He's at the well. And he arrives there at noon. And at noon, he has an encounter with a Samaritan woman who came to draw water. Now, what's the significance of this woman showing up at the well at noon? Typically in their culture, when the women came to gather water, they would come early in the morning. Amen. I mean, I guess you know, women in, who, in here who may be a little feministic, a feminist, shall I say, say, why do women carry in the water? Amen. I don't know why I can't answer that. <laughs> Everybody got, thank you. Everybody got a job to do. <laughs> but the women show, would show up early in the morning to gather the water. That was their custom. But this woman, she's showing up later. And she's showing up alone. Come on. So here's the thought for you. Why didn't she show up with everybody else? The embarrassment of her lifestyle. The choices she made. The people who talked about it probably was at the well. You know that water uh, cooler talk? So she's at the well later than she ought to be. 
because she didn't want to deal with the scrutiny of others judging her salvation. She didn't want to hear the you know the shoo shoo talk. She didn't want to hear about the mistakes she made and what she had done and see other people talk about her and point at her. There she go again. Look at her. I'm going to say it, but you know, hussy. Y'all, y'all, you ever heard your grandmother say that? Uh-huh. Old fast-tailed woman. Where the country folk at? Yeah. Old fast-tailed. Womanish. Yeah, that's her, right? So she shows up at 12 o'clock at the well, not knowing she's about to have an encounter that's about to change her life. She's showing up at a later time thinking I'm just going to do my job and fulfill my assignment, not knowing at that very moment her life is about to be transformed. She's about to meet the giver of life. When everybody else canceled her life. Oh, you know, we live in this cancer culture right now that anytime you make a mistake, they want to just cancel you out, write you off and say, oh, you done wrong. We have no more need for you. You're no more good. So they just cancel you. And her life was canceled by the eyesight of the public. But now she's about to get renewed. She's about to meet the giver of life. And when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? Can I tell you something? Empty buckets are meant to be filled. Empty buckets are meant to be filled. Now, it's crazy. Jesus, who is the living water, is asking for water. But he's asking of sorts a rhetorical question. He really didn't want water. He just wanted to see if water was available. He he really didn't need a drink. He just wanted to see if a drink was available. You know, that's how it is when you come in church. Uh, Most time, that's why it feels like your toes are being stepped on is because really he's trying to see if you're really thirsty. Are you willing? Are you willing to be filled up? Are you willing to offer a drink? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to go beyond yourself? <laughs> Thank you, Holy Ghost. Uh, he's he's wondering: Are you going to keep drilling, keep digging, until you get water, so you can offer water? Or are you just going to be selfish? So, reflection points: your room, your wounds aren't. Too deep to be healed. This woman shows up at the well, and we know this woman's lifestyle because we have studied this text and preached this text time and time. You probably heard it a million times. Um, This woman who Jesus has this encounter with, uh, he asks this question, woman, where's your husband? And she says, you know, I have none. He says, you have said well because you had five of them. and the, one, yeah, and the one you with ain't yours. So in other words, it's what the old school uh, people would say she was shacking up. <laughs> but, you know, you probably heard this text before, but really Jesus is not dealing with her living arrangement. 
He's not in the text. He's not rebuking her for living with somebody. No, I'm going to straighten it up tonight. It's, it's really not a text to indict her living situation, but really her choice of worship. It, really, he's he's trying to see, OK, where are you getting your water from? And we hop and we focus on the fact that she's living with my well, really, it's this whole text is not about her living arrangement, because if so, he would have clearly rebuked her about it. Now, I will insert this to you. Uh, I am not not confirming, nor am I denying. The fact that shacking up is not God's desire. I will submit this, though. The Bible says that fornicators has a place in the lake of fire. So it's not so much you living with somebody. It's what you're doing while you're living with them. Oh, God. Amen. I got to clear that up because I had female roommates in college and we didn't sleep together. I mean, we're just roommates. So it's not about you. Living together is about what you're doing up under that roof. Amen. Can I give you another one? He says, flee from the very appearance of evil. Amen. Y'all smile for me. (laughs) But this woman had some deep wounds. Had some deep wounds. But your wounds aren't so deep that God can't heal. Your wounds aren't that deep that God can't heal. This woman's wounds were so deep. So much hurt, so much pain, so much shame. But it wasn't too deep for Jesus to heal. Uh, the other thing is, you can't cover up what Jesus came to cover. You cannot cover up what he came to cover. She couldn't make no excuses about her lifestyle. She said, I know already how you're living. I know already the choices you've made, the things you've done. So you can't cover it up and mask it up under your religiosity. You can't mask it up under the, the way you decide to live. You can't do none of that. Matter of fact, I already know it. That's why I came to cover you. That's why I came to offer you salvation. You can't cover it up. It's already covered in the salvation plan. But I got to get you to a place where you understand what you're doing is wrong. So now you can receive what I'm offering. Hallelujah. Can I give you something to write down? Jesus is not concerned with your behavior modification. He's concerned about your heart transformation. He's not concerned about your behavior modification. He didn't come to alter your behavior. He came to transform your heart. Because, see, that's the problem we make even as parents. We, we try to alter our children's behavior, but really we need to be transforming their hearts. Because if we can have a heart transformation, then your behavior will change. Uh, because if I modify your behavior, you're going to find a way to modify it back. 
Yeah. Hello. Hello. Am I in the room tonight? Yes, and that's what happens is we try to modify people. Can't wear this, can't do that. Don't go here, don't go there. And we modify their behaviors. And what happens is they get in other environments that modify them right back. So they'll be good in your eyesight. They'll be all just, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. But, but once they get out of your presence, because their behavior is modified by environments. So now they get out of your presence and get in the environment of someone else who is different from your modification. And then they find themselves modified to y'all. Come on, come on. So Jesus is not worried about her behavior. He's trying to get to a place where her heart is transformed because he knows if he can get to her heart that part of her heart, then everything else on the outside, you got to get to the root of the matter. Jesus didn't want to deal with the surface stuff. Yes, I know you're living with a man, but let's not deal with that right now. I, I know you got some hurts and some wounds and all of these things that you're trying to cover up. See, Jesus is just peeling back the scab so he can really get to the wound. So the the, the question, where is your husband, was the surface level stuff. That was just the surface. And Jesus said, we got to go deeper. Somebody shout deeper. Amen. We got to go deeper just in the surface level thing because here, here it is. The reason why you're living with the man, you had five husbands and you decided now the hurt of being committed to one man was so deep that you decide I'm not going to commit to nobody else. Can I submit something else to you? The text is really allegorical. It's not five husbands. She had five religions. And the sixth religion, she's not even married to. She's not really even certain about it. So the one she has now, she just jumped in another faith. <laughs> Somebody shall keep drilling. See, we're drilling on the text now because it switches from her husband's to worship. Where do we worship at? <laughs> so it's not so much about her living and her lifestyle. It's about her worship and where she's worshiping and how she's worshiping. So they show up at Jacob's well. Jacob's well was a well that was given to Joseph, and Jacob had to dig this well. I'm going to tell you this, your past is just an indicator that you moved on. When y'all say that's in the past, it's just an indicator that you moved on. But the problem with the past is some of us hold on to the past. So we've moved on from the past, but we bring our past into our present. So at this well, this woman is bringing up her past. At Jacob's well, she's bringing up her past. She hadn't moved on. So at Jacob's well, in Genesis chapter number 26, verse 18, it says, speaking of Jacob, and he reopened the wells his father had dug 
And when the Philistines had filled it in after Abraham's death, Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servant also dug in the valley of Gerar, Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But when the shepherds of Gerar came and claimed the spring, this is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Esek, which meant argument. Now, this is where the Samaritan woman and Jesus is sitting at this well. It was an argument over the well. They're arguing over water. They're arguing over worship. Now, now we're going exegetical. They're, they're, they're arguing over worship. Uh, Jacob digs a well, finds water, and now somebody else comes in and said, no, nah, that's, that's not the way you do it. That's the way you worship. No, 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 y'all too loud. Be quiet. That's just, we don't worship like that here. Y'all. Yeah, no, don't clap your hands. It's, it's, shh. Don't praise God too loud. You're a distraction. Just, shh. They're arguing over worship. The will. How, how it should go. And Isaac, man, then dug another well. But again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. That's that woman, at the, the Samaritan woman at the well. She kept digging wells. Kept worshiping. One didn't work out, she go to the next one. One husband didn't work out, she went to the next one. One husband, the, one after the next, she kept switching wells. See, it wasn't about her lifestyle, it's about her worship. She kept jumping from one well to the next. Kept going from one to another. And every time she got to one, somebody come and argue over that one. The time was no, uh, um, this time there was no dispute over. So Isaac named the place, Rehob- yeah, that one, Rehoboth, <laughs> which means open space. Uh, for he said, the la- at last, the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him. On the night of his arrival, I am the God of your father, Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will what? I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a what? And I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac, watch, built an altar. What are altars for? Worship. Altars are built for Worship. The well and the woman encountering Jesus is about worship. He shows up at the well, Jacob's well, because he comes into town to fix what worship should really look like. He encounters this woman, again, not to deal with her behavior, 
but to deal with our heart's posture on worship. Because he knows if I can get you to a place of worship, then you'll find value and worth. And not only that, but you'll also learn that I have enough grace upon your life to transform your life. I have enough grace upon your life to empower your life so that the things you struggle with, you no longer have to struggle with. That that grace is more than, you know, just this. Um, how we say grace, grace is um, there's all kind of stuff we don't come up with. Unmerited favor. It's more than that. Grace is empowerment. Grace is empowerment. Thank God for the unmerited favor. But I need to be empowered. Thank you for the unmerited favor because that's favor with man. I need to be empowered. Because if I'm empowered to live right and do right, then I get right. If, if, if I'm empowered to live my life the way God has empowered me to do, then I don't have to worry about favor. Favor just comes along with it. Because then I'll have the grace or the empowerment not to lie and, and to have good character and people going to just give me favor anyway. <laughs> oh, y'all hear me? Okay. All right. So the Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. And he set up his camp at that place, and his, his servants did what? They dug another well. And one day Abimelech came from Gerar, and he advised Elhazeth and Fisco, his army commander, and all of them. Here's what I want to get to you tonight, and I'm going to bring it to a close, is that you have to keep digging. You have to keep digging, regardless of where you are in life. You have to keep digging. Because if you dig, you will hit a spring well of water. The Bible calls it a well of living waters that will flow. So watch back in John. Uh, I think we're going to start in verse 19. She says, sir. The woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors, watch, here it is, worship on this mountain. But you Jews claim that this place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus is now digging in her so he can show her she needs to keep digging because it shifts now from her life choices and decisions to now her choice of worship. Didn't I tell you this text was about worship? They go from talking about water in a bucket to now worshiping at a well. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He shifts in the text from who you're living with to who you're worshiping. He had to peel back the scab. 
to talk about her past, her husbands and all of that, only to get her to this place. Place of worship. A place of worship. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Remember I told you she had this mixed religiosity? And these five husbands was really a mixture of her worship. It was a mixture of her worship. And the one she's living with, she just got, she just got you know, she just grabbed him because, you know, she, you know, didn't want to be lonely. In other words, she just grabbed another religion because she didn't want to seem to be not religious. You know, she just went to another church and just so that people would know that she is not unchurched. She just showed up at a building. She really wasn't committed nor dedicated. She just needed another cover. And she really wasn't godly, but she wanted to be around godly people. She really wasn't committed. She was just coming. <laughs> I told you I wasn't going to like me tonight. And, and, and so this is the husband she's living with now is this non-committal mentality. Oh, come on, single ladies. You don't tell about that guy you last dated. You've been with seven years and didn't want to put a ring on it. Just didn't want to commit. You know? Just, just no commitment. And that's where this woman is. She, she is so hurt that she don't want to commit to nothing else ever again. Now she's in a soft place, a place of which she can learn and grow and be healed, but she still don't want to commit. Oh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say it while I'm here. You know, that's why it's so hard as a pastor when you get a person from another place and now we get a stripped down version of them. I've been hurt over here, so I'm not going to give everything like I gave over there. Uh, It's a stripped down version. It's not the, the real you. It's a stripped down version of you. I'm not going... I'm not going to commit because I did that before and it hurt. So now the true you is really a servant at heart, but you don't want to give that part. It's just stripped down version. Oh, I'm a giver. I'm a big giver, but I ain't going to give all that this time because I don't, I don't know. I gave a lot last time and it didn't turn out well. So I'm going to hold back. You get in a relationship and you finally find somebody who love you for who you are and what you are and they love your dirty socks off you, but you ain't going to give them all of you. Because you did that once before and it hurt. Stripped down version. And that's what this woman is. She's a part of something that she don't want to give her all to. I'll live with you, but I ain't going to marry you. I just need a place of covering. I just need somebody to cuddle up in the cold nights. I just need somebody to be there with me. Because I want to seem wifey, but I don't want to be wife. 
I don't mind playing house. I just don't want to put my name on the deeds. I'll claim you as my church home, but, you know, I don't mind living in the guest room. I don't want to commit completely. So Jesus is dealing with this, this woman's level of worship. How deep are you willing to worship? It's really the question he is posing to this woman is, how deep is your worship? At one point, when Jesus asked for water, she says that you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and the well is so deep. And you don't even have a bucket to draw. In other words, these hurts I have, you can't even draw this deep to heal these hurts. She didn't know who she was talking to. Yeah, to get her to a place of worship. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do for salvation is from the Jews. Not for the Jews. Oh, God. If you ever have a talk with the black Hebrew lights and they tell you salvation is for the Jews, it is not for the Jews, it is. And it's for who? Okay. Hallelujah. Yet a time is coming. And has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And they are the kind of worship that the Father seeks. I'm almost done. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Wait, I thought we was talking about water at a well. And the woman said, I, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Uh, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. I am he. And why are you waiting when I've already shown up? And so now, here again, he approaches her level of commitment. So now you're waiting for it to happen. It's happening now. Or are you, what you going to do? Now? Are you going to commit now? Or are you going to try to cover this up too? Or are you going to make a decision to follow because you were worshiping what you don't know? But we Jews worship what we do know. And now you know what we know. So what are you going to do with the knowledge you now have? Now you have been informed who I am. Or you're going to make a decision. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Why are you surprised that he is talking with a woman? Part of that culture is that men who were unbetrothed would not talk to women in public places. Part of that culture was is that men and women did not congregate in public places unless they had a, a monogamous relationship. So here it is, Jesus, watch this, he's breaking customs and laws. 
just to bring salvation, watch, to all people. Oh, God, I wish you could hear me this evening. God will break laws and customs just to make sure you get to know who he is. Oh, God, I'm glad he would because he'll go into a crack house to get you. He'll go into the prostitute, the bordellos to get you. He'll go in the club to get you. He'll break the customs and the laws. He'll do what he has to do to get himself to you. He even use a donkey. He'll use your mean, spiteful auntie, you know, Aunt Gertrude, who cuss everybody out. I Man, if you got an Aunt Gertrude, I ain't, you know, I'm just saying. Oh, Lord. But right in the middle of her, cur- in her cuss fest, you know the Lord loves you. And then she go right back to cussing you again. Amen. So they're surprised he's talking to this woman because it goes against their custom. It's something he shouldn't be doing. But remember, Jesus must need go to Samaria. He had a mission. And they were surprised to find him talking with the woman, but no one asked. What do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then leaving a water jar. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come, could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Hear this, your wounds aren't too deep to be healed. You can't cover up what Jesus came to cover and you were free to help others be free. At the end of all of this, regardless of her lifestyle, regardless of the decisions she made, regardless of the mess she made of her life, Jesus decided to free her so she can be free to help others be free. In spite of the mess she saw of her life, In spite of the choices of worship and the places she decided to worship, Jesus still shows up to free her so she can help free somebody else. This woman went to the town and told everybody. She didn't limit it to her family, to her friends, to her ethnicity. Help me out, y'all. Ethnicity, her nationality. She went and told everybody. Everybody. He freed her. Watch this. He healed her. Because here it was, this woman showed up with a lot of shame that she couldn't show her face in front of nobody. But the moment her heart was transformed, she was willing to go back to the people who talked about her, the people who spited her and lied about her, all of that. She was willing. Now that I'm free and my heart has been transformed, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you said about me. I don't care what you know about me. I don't care what you made up about me. I'm free now, and I'm free now to offer you the freedom that I received from this man named Jesus. I don't care what they say anymore. I don't care how they look at me anymore. I have been free now to see freedom come in your life. transforms her heart 
to where now she's willing to look beyond her own hurts and pain and shame to present Jesus to everybody she would encounter. I close with this. It's a song, and I'm quite sure some of you heard of it may know it. I'm just a nobody. About who can. I'm just a nobody. Just a nobody. Trying to tell about somebody who can save everybody. So what I'm saying to you tonight, you made a mess of your life, done some wrong in your life. It's not so much God is looking at your mess. He know you messy. And the only way he can clean up his mess, your mess, is to clean up your heart. He has to get to your heart first. Oh, pastor, you're giving us a license to sin and live any kind of, no, 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 no. No, that's why he empowered you with his grace. He's patient, long-suffering, but don't let him wait long. It would behoove you to let him in now and begin to modify what needs to be modified to transform your heart so that part can be settled so some some things can change quicker. You'll see some transformation happen a lot quicker in your life when you allow God to transform your heart. The consequences won't be as deep. The pain won't hurt as much. But you got to make a commitment. Have to make a commitment. Bible says, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long? How long? You got to settle in and commit. You got to settle in and commit. Can I shift a little again for you? You got to make a decision to be all in. You can't cover up the mask of, you know, well, at least I'd come to church. I read a little bit, write a little devotional every now and then, post on Facebook every now and again. I evangelize sometimes. God's not looking for sometimes saints. He's not looking for public Pew saints. You know, you look good in public. I like the fact that we take selfies during church so people can see you in church. But can they see you as church? Outside the church? Got to commit wholeheartedly. That's why he gives us grace. To help us. We all struggle. But we got the grace of God. To help empower us in those moments of struggle. Yeah, we get mad. We get angry. And we say stuff. That's why we got the grace of God. 
to empower us, to teach us on how, how to live and how to do. How to live godly. But we've got to make a commitment. So you're at the well tonight. And Jesus said, I must go. You know, he stopped by this way just for you. He's peeling back the scab so he can deal with the deeper issues. This woman had a problem with worship. She had an issue with it. But that encounter settled all of that she had going on. For the hour cometh and now is. Worship settled. Worship settled. The grace to say no to ungodliness or worldliness was settled at the will of worship. With your head bows, I believe, tonight. Samaritans were, again, a mixed breed of religion. And, and maybe you're still holding on to some old school of thought some old school traditions of religion. And it's really just muddied the waters of your faith. I believe tonight that the living water is here tonight to purify the will of your worship. I believe the living waters is flowing tonight <laughs> to purge and to cleanse and to sanctify your soul. I believe the living waters is pouring out as a tsunami to overtake you and to consume you tonight to bring you back to that place of true worship think about a flood of waters it it comes and it 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 it, it pushes everything to the side and only that which is anchored remains the love of god is raging river that's flowing, a flood of love flowing your direction now. Coming to push everything out the way so that only that which should remain shall remain. But you have to make a decision to receive this flood. If you're here tonight, and again, this is not about your lifestyle. <laughs> it's about your worship. God is here at the well to make sure that your soul is well. He is here at the well to dig again. To dig again. To dig again till you finally get to that place where God has made space for you. Where you don't even have to argue or quarrel over the love that God has for you. That's you tonight. You're struggling. Some areas of your life, maybe even in your own salvation and question. You love God, but it's still got questions. I get it. I get it. I understand. God understands. You're struggling in your lifestyle and the way you live and the decisions you have made. And you love God. But you got five mountains you're worshiping at. 
and the one you're at now, you're not even certain. You're just clinging on to it because you know that's the best thing to do. That's you tonight. Jesus didn't judge her. He didn't even rebuke her for having five husbands and living with one. He moved on to the heart of worship because he knew that was the part of transformation that would bring about a transforming lifestyle. That's you tonight. I want you to make a decision to commit fully to the things of God. Head still bowed, and if that's you, I just want you to lift your head and make eye contact with me. When I have made eye contact with you at that point, you can put your head down. That will be a sign. I see you. I see you. I see you. If that's you, just make eye contact. I see you. And at the moment I make eye contact, you can put your head down. I see you. I see you. Any others tonight? This your well moment. This your well moment. I see you. This your well moment. Any others? All standing to your feet. Thank you, Father. You know, the thing about this moment and this encounter Jesus had, it all took place in a public, private place. <laughs> It's a conversation between them in public, he and her. What am I saying to you? This is your private moment with him. I don't need to put a card in your hand. I don't need you to lift your hand. I don't need you to make a public display of your commitment or your decision tonight. This is your well moment. But what's going to be a telltale sign that you have been made well at the well that you're going to go and tell everybody. What's going to be the sign of your commitment is you're going to go run and tell everybody about a man that told everything about you. That's going to be the sign. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this well moment that our souls are welled and anchored in you. Yes, God, we made mistakes probably continue making mistakes that's why we need your saving grace to empower us to endued us with the power needed to say no to ungodliness and un and worldliness that's why we need your grace god so father we thank you for that amazing grace we thank you for the empowerment of your holy spirit Father, for those who have made a decision, God, to meet you at the well tonight, fill their buckets. Fill their buckets. And, Father, as they dig and dig again, give them a well of gushing, springing water that will replenish them when they're thirsty. Let them dig yet again and not give up on the life you have laid before them. God, we bless you. And God, we give you the glory. Send Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Can somebody open up their mouths and give God some glory?
well moment. A well moment. A well moment. A well moment. Jesus' name. One last time, clap your hands and give God praise. Amen. It's at this moment, Jacob dug a well. And when the water began to spring up, he built an altar and he worshiped God. The well is springing up. Let's build an altar and place a sacrifice of worship as we prepare our hearts and our hands. But before we do that, I felt in my spirit three areas. Your heart, your head, and your hands. Your heart, your head, and your hands. God says, first prepare your hearts. Because when your heart is towards God, then your head won't limit you in worshiping God. So you got to prepare your heart first, then your head. Because if you don't prepare your heart first, your head going to tell you, oh, Lord, here we go again. I don't have, I'm not this, that, and the third. But once you prepare your heart, then your head is going to line up with your heart. And it's going to cancel all the thoughts of negativity because your heart is in line. And then your head is just, your hand is just going to comply. Because your hand is connected to your heart. By way of your head. So before you prepare your gift tonight, ask God to prepare your heart. Fix whatever's in your heart right now. And once he fixes your heart, say, God, touch my mind because my mind says that, you know, I, I don't have to do it. I don't need to do it. Oh, I'm in your head now. I don't have that to do. They always won't. Ask him to fix your heart. Touch him, your head. And then once he's done that, say, now hand, just obey. <laughs> Amen.
Everybody